0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: It's the True Faith Podcast. I'm Rob Plouthier, and I'm here with uh, John Champion. Hi, John. Hi, Rob. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank Pleasure you. Glad to be in Newcastle. Always. Always. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, it's a place I've got a lot of affection for. Good. It's one of my very favourite grounds. My mother comes from Blythe, my grandmother from Gateshead, so it's an area uh, that I've, I've known well for many years. I didn't know that, so,
1: uh, so you've got some family links to this. I have, right? yes. to <laughs> the north-east. Yep, yep. I, yeah. I grew up in York, which was only an yeah. hour on the train away. So. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. So you have a, maybe a little bit of an affinity for Newcastle. Well, right? I've
2: got to be very careful who I say I <laughs> but What I can say without fear of contradiction is that this place, St James's Park, is one of my absolute favourites to come and work at.
1: Fantastic. Well, that's good to hear. Please. Um... We love going, obviously, and it's, um, it's our cathedral, so... Uh, it is, <laughs> and I think that's, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I think
2: Simon Inglis caught it best in his books of, uh, about football grounds of, of England and Wales, where he, he likened it to the, um, the Acropolis on yeah. the hill. Yeah, and right. it, just the fact that it dominates the city centre, yeah. I think, is wonderful. It's the first thing I ever see when I've, I've been at the wheel for five hours, driving up from southern England, and you come down the, the, uh, on the top of the A1 there, and you look across past the Angel of the North, and you see the ground sitting up there and you know that for the people in that city it means so much to just about every single one of them, there are no distractions here, mm-hmm. it's football that yeah. matters and that's yeah. what I love about it, that yeah. it's, it's that pure following rather than something that's diluted by the fact that people in London like to go to the opera or whatever it might be, whatever mm-hmm. seemed to be fashionable, here it's a birthright yeah, that's and that's funny. why it's yeah.
1: proper. It's a one club city and yeah. Uh, yeah, we all treasure our football club and it's just a shame the way it's being run at the minute but that's, a, that's a, a different topic altogether mm. from what we're going to talk about today. Um, I really appreciate you coming to speak to us. Um, I, I want, I've been wanting to do this for a little while, to speak to somebody who was involved in this game, the final Newcastle game in 2002, because, and I've said this on the podcast many times, it's, it, it's in my lifetime my favourite Newcastle game for various reasons. Obviously because of the fact that the starting of where, of where it was, we'd lost our opening mm. three group games No team had ever qualified after losing the opening three group games in in that first group phase of the Champions League. And we went on then to beat Dino Kiev and Juventus. And then they all came down to Mm. this game against Feyenoord uh, in Rotterdam. Um, Personally, so I was was 19 years old at the time, living at home with my mum and dad. most of my friends had gone off to university or college or whatever and i couldn't find anybody to watch the game with that night so i just i, I was by my by myself <laughs> in my mum and dad's living room telly on lying on the sofa yes um, and uh, there we went and, oh, just incredible i mean the way the game went and the ups and downs and the way it finished but we'll we'll go through all that in a minute and yes it, it really does stand out in my memory and i think your commentary was certainly a big factor in that as well.
2: It was well, fantastic. It was one of the easier games to commentate on. <laughs> you know, those are those
1: are the straightforward
2: ones because the drama supports you. It's it's the nil nil draw on a wet Wednesday in Bury that's more
1: difficult. Yes, I can imagine. <laughs> so, see so yourself, John, for that game. Traveling? How did you travel to Holland? Uh, where did you, Where did you stay? Flew, yeah, we flew
2: flew, flew the day before, which was was par for the course, because usually UEFA like to organise their media conferences and formal training sessions with quarter of an hour open to the the media, yeah. um, I mean I was I was very fortunate in that I got on extremely well with Sir Bobby Robson over many years before he came to Newcastle and, and after as well I worked with him for ITV on World Cups and European Championships but when he was Newcastle manager he was always fantastically helpful to me so um, it, that quarter of an hour of official training was extended to you watch whatever you want to watch Brilliant. which was always... Very good, and he would always tell me what the team was going to be the next day, and <laughs> take me through his thinking, and um, he uh, he was as as good as ever on that trip. So we flew in the day before, uh, straight into to Rotterdam, went and had a look at the stadium at the mm-hmm. yep. the tub, yes, That's and what a translation. what a, what a place. I mean, very old fashioned, but all the better for it. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it does look like an upturned tub, so the name is is apt, and it's renowned for generating a fabulous atmosphere, but never more so, I think, than than that night. So we, we just spent the, the previous day watching a bit of training, Yeah. Uh, then we went out for a meal, those of us that were there, the sound engineer and the producer and, yeah. and what have you, all the paraphernalia that travel around when we go and do games around Europe and around the world. And um, I had a, a chat with, with Bobby surreptitiously at the, towards the end of training to get a, a steer on what the, the team might be, and, and John Carver was there as uh, yeah, well, who yeah. also is a, another man who's been wonderfully helpful to me over the years. Yeah. Um, so I then went back to the hotel, had a few notes from what I'd learned at, at training, and um, uh, I mean I'd done the bulk of my preparation before leaving the UK because you need you probably need three days of proper preparation for yeah. a game like like that. So all the background to all the players, to the sides, chiselling out little facts about the game. I mean Newcastle at that stage had never ever won an away game in the the Champions yes, League. So right, yeah. uh, I'm just looking at my my commentary <laughs> notes now, which I yeah. I etched out all those years ago. So. There are all sorts of little tidbits that you hope that you're not going to have to to throw in, but if it gets a bit sticky, you will. And of course, I was fortunate in that the game was such wonderfully unscripted drama, I didn't really have to throw any of these bits that I'd researched in because the, the match looked after itself. So I went to bed fairly happy that night that I was across... Most of what was likely to happen, little did I know, <laughs> and that I was as well prepared as I could be, which is all you would hope the the day before a mm-hmm. a relatively big commentary. So yeah, well yeah. fed and uh, <laughs> I, I hoped well prepared. Yeah, um, Jim Beglam was he your co-commentator. Yes, that night? yes, yes, he was, and he's still. We were talking about it last week. Actually, it's one of his. Top experiences of all yeah. the European games that he's both played in and commentated on. Yeah, this is one that sticks out in his memory <laughs> as well. You guys commentated a lot together, didn't you your career? We did. We spent um, twenty seven years yeah. through uh, BBC Radio, Radio Five, um, then uh, ITV, and then we did PES, Pro Evolution Soccer together. Yeah. Oh yes, of course. For a good so. number of years, so to many people around the world, we exist inside a computer, <laughs> but in no other aspect. Yeah. And then latterly, we've b- worked together for the Premier League because, as you know, they now sell all their games live around the world. So. We do a, a lot of that together as yeah, well. So yeah. so yeah, he's been. I, my wife reminded me the other day that I've spent more time with Jim over the last twenty seven years <laughs> than I have with
1: her. <laughs> Commentating on many fantastic football games, I'm sure. Um, so when you when you were speaking to Bobby before the game, what mm-hmm. how I, I don't know how much you spoke, but was he confident? Was he a bit pessimistic? How was he? How was he? Well, he was he, he was.
2: he was. He was very much hoping that Juventus were going to do Newcastle <laughs> yeah. a, a favour. Yeah. That, was, that was uppermost in his mind. It wasn't, I think, a, an acceptance that Newcastle should win because that wasn't the case at all, but let's not forget he was going back into an environment with which he was very familiar from his time in Dutch football, and it, that little twinkle in his eye that was always there was sparkling particularly brightly the night before. And I just got the, the impression there was a quiet confidence with Bobby that the following day could be a, mm-hmm. a special day, not in the manner that it turned out, but that they could get the result that they needed, and really he was he was expending quite a bit of his
1: energy just fretting about Juventus and whether yeah. they could do the business against Kiev. Yeah, well, that was obviously a very important part of it. Mm. We needed needed Juventus to win that game, and yes, that was going to have a big outcome on the on the outcome of the of the little but group, wasn't it? Let's not forget, we're talking about
2: a man who was at that stage, what three months short of his seventieth birthday, mm. and he'd seen everything yeah. before, so he was never going to be hyper. Because that wasn't him. It's very measured. You know, he wasn't hyper on the Mm -hmm. day that he led England into a World Cup Mm semi-final. But he was excited. And there was a similar excitement about this because, as we all know, it was his club and this was extra special to him. Yeah,
1: special night. So I think on the night there was... We think we three 3,000 mm. Newcastle fans. There. Well, maybe officially. It sounded and felt like more. <laughs> yes. I mean, there was a
2: proper Geordie invasion, yeah. and we were aware of that the day before. You asked me what we did. I mean, yeah. when we went out for a meal in the city the night before, you couldn't move for Newcastle supporters, as you would expect. But my memories of that night, going into DeKalb, we were there three and a half hours ahead of kick-off, which is customary, and it was just how early the Newcastle fans were in the stadium. So as soon as the gates opened, there was this great big march on the uh, on the stands at, at DeKalb by the, the 3,000 official yeah. Newcastle supporters and the many others that were clearly there as well. And it wasn't long before the, their final counterparts were in there as well. And my memory of the night is just of, of lots of firecrackers, a really fizzing atmosphere, yeah. um, pandemonium at times. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we get so used to things being measured and ordered because of crowd safety mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. days. And yeah, this is only 15 or so years ago, but things were a bit different then and um this was much more freestyle it was a sort of free for all you didn't feel that the crowd were being heavily controlled mm-hmm. by the authorities they were there to have a good time they were determined to have a good time and um i think one or two things were thrown on the pitch as well largely by the, the final supporters as things turned against mm-hmm. their team so it was a genuine firecracker of a night.
1: yeah i can remember um on one of the st- Newcastle United season review DVDs that I've collected over the years um, Craig Bellamy said that he was having things thrown at him mm. and I think we'll come on to his first goal in a minute but after, when he was celebrating it he did the old fingers to the mouth mm. shush sort of thing and you could see he was having a go at the Feyenoord fans and it was yes. he, he's the type of player who would, who would give it back as oh. well without <laughs> <passion>. <laughs> I mean, that's that's one of the most fascinating
2: aspects of the whole event really that Bellamy played at all because mm-hmm. when I spoke to Sir Bobby The day before he didn't think that Bellamy was going to be able to start the game because he'd missed the previous six matches with this recurrent knee problem that blighted his career for so long he hadn't played in the 1-0 at Arsenal the previous Mm -hmm. weekend and yes he was in the traveling squad but the general impression was that he'd be used as an impact sub that he could probably give 20 minutes and no more than that and it was destined to be the same side that had played at Arsenal with Solano playing on the right Mm -hmm. side of midfield and it was only on the day of the match when I contacted Bobby again and he said, look, we've had a further think about it. We think we can squeeze a start out of, of Bellamy. And so you'll see on my, <laughs> on my sheet here, yeah, where yeah, I've yeah. faithfully written all the players' names, <laughs> there's one of the 11 spaces which has got stickers over the top, which are where I had written Solano, and then I had to, to ink in Bellamy wow, over the, there you go, yeah, over the top. So
1: history never, you know, it nearly didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, wow, that's interesting. I didn't know. did not know that. That's very interesting. Um, how did you think... I mean I know there was, it was a massive game, how, how did you, did you have any expectations before the game of how it might go, what the result might be or? I thought it would be cagier than it was, no. I mean
2: it's stupid expecting that Newcastle team <laughs> to be cagey. I <laughs> know, <laughs> but I just thought that there were enough experienced heads in that side. It is and, very experienced. The Gary Speeds yeah. of, of this world and obviously Shearer up top, Given at the back, yeah. um, you know Dabber's Ass at centre-half, yeah. these were hardened experienced European pros who had yeah. been around the block a few times. but in fairness, haven't been around this particular block Mm -hmm. that often. So uh, I just thought there'd be a bit more caution. And obviously there was a deal of experience in the Feyenoord side as well. I'm looking down the age profile now. The goalkeeper, Loderbeck's 35, Van Vondra, the centre-back, 33. People like Paul Vosfeldt, who went on to play for Manchester City in Mm -hmm. midfield, 32 years of age. So they too were, were pretty hardened to the occasion. So I was surprised it became as open... As it was, but it was all the more joyous as an occasion because of that. <laughs> it was. It was a fantastic night. So. It's like football without the safety catch. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of describing it. You yeah. know, the, the co- yeah, sometimes coaches can ruin a football game, can't they, by mm. getting hold of players oh, yeah. and actually talking sense to them. <laughs>
1: we, don't, we don't want that. And we no. didn't get that that yeah, night, which absolutely was, which was, not, was no. glorious. Yeah, so, on under the goals then. So, mm. Bellaby's opener. Yeah, was, well taken, wasn't it? It was very well taken. He'd actually had a couple of he'd been played through a couple of times Mm. uh, and he'd had a not so much one-on-ones with the keeper but he had had a couple of openings and that goal was essentially a long ball from Shea Given Mm. or flicked on by Alan Shearer and then well it just dropped perfectly into the path of Craig Bellamy, but he did still have to muscle off his yeah. defender yeah. and yeah, and angle shot across the shot. The well, the angle, the I mean, there was only one sort of mm. particular place he could aim for, and he, he yes. hit it perfectly, didn't he? He did.
2: I mean, it's interesting the point you make up about the earlier misses, and I, I would just suggest to you it was a bit ring rusty. Mm. Yeah. Let's not forget he'd had seven months out with this knee problem, yeah. then he he played periodically in the opening couple of months of the season when it was still troubling him. He hadn't played for six games, so he was coming back in when no one had really expected him to come back in. And maybe he was coming back a little bit earlier than might normally have been wise had the game not had such enormous significance. Yeah, so yeah. perhaps you can forgive him those couple of early failures on the basis that it was very much third time lucky. Yeah, yeah you're
1: probably right. Yeah, but it was a fantastic finish and it was right on the stroke of half-time, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so it was a perfect time to score going 1-0 up. Then I, th- I always think this goal is just Hugo Viana's goal. He uh, mm. went for 2-0 and... Dyer kind of got into the the right hand side of finals box and then we we did have players coming into the to the centre of the box but for some reason he's I don't I don't know if he if he I still don't know if he did it deliberately but the the pass went right over everybody to Viana who was coming in at the, the very far side of the of the final box and it was a great finish though, mm. to be honest. Um, it was just
2: his second goal for yeah, the club and he was still yeah, a teenager yeah, yeah at that stage so certainly not phased by the enormity of the occasion yeah. Or the moment. Mm -hmm. And I just remember him hitting it and thinking he's hit that so purely. That is in. (laughs) Yeah. And then it was one of those time slowed down (laughs) passages where you're waiting for the net to bulge and it the ball's is the ball gonna get there? Is (laughs) there gonna get there? And of course it's it's whizzed into the net, but everything just goes at a tenth of its normal pace while you wait to
1: see. Yeah, it was um, a very well taken goal and normally well, Newcastle fans who are listening will will know that Kieran Dyer's final product was never great. Mm-hmm. But on that occasion... So I'll, I'll give him that. I'd say he meant it. He did, I'm sure okay. he did, I'm sure he did. Yeah. It was a fantastic yes. pick-out at the back post. And
2: of course he meant his assist for the winning goal as well. Oh, of, of, of course, that.
1: yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so everything's going swimmingly at 2-0 and then things start to turn a little bit and, yeah. you know, the nerves maybe start to creep in. and Well, this is Newcastle, it isn't it? It is, yeah, of course. Nothing straightforward, is no. it? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I can personally remember sort of sitting there thinking, this is going... This is going way too way too perfectly. You know everything's mm. falling into place. Um, I think you Juventus at one point were, dr- were 1-1 mm. with it one one Kiev yes um so that wasn't going exactly how but you know as long as we were, were winning um we still hope there so for Bombarda's goal yes that was every time I look at it I think it's so straightforward it was it was. A, th- a through ball, mm. and he's just he's taken it so early. I think it's caught Shea Given off yeah. uh, off, yes. off guard slightly, because um, Shea Given in his in his prime was an absolutely fantastic goalkeeper. Mm. And, you know, I don't think he stood a chance with that one. To be no. honest, it was. I wouldn't say it was too easy. I just think it was it was it was well taken. It was well taken. Uh, it, was, it was right from the edge of the box, wasn't yeah, it? It
2: was. I mean, he'd um, he'd come off the bench, bomb- right, bomb- yeah. Bombarda, and he was. I think he'd only started one game all season long, but. I mean, I've got a, I've, I've got a note here of his, of his career goal tally going into that game, two hundred and twenty nine matches, and that was his one hundredth career goal. Oh really? That night, I didn't yeah. have time to mention it in the commentary because <laughs> it was so inconsequential in the midst yeah. of the, yeah. the drama that was unfolding. But I've also got a note here. He was the son of an Argentine diplomat.
0: <laughs> um,
2: but yes, I mean that, that Fantastic. was. I, I think yeah. I said in the commentary, uh, as he ran away celebrating, "Oh Newcastle, be careful." Yes. And that was just the feeling that that was. That was the tap on the shoulder to say, look, this isn't the plain sailing that it might have appeared to be.
1: Definitely. Um, yes, I remember you saying that, and I, I thought that summed it up perfectly yeah. at the time. Because I think, obviously, we were all th- thinking to ourselves, please do not mess this up now. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a great opportunity. Yes. Um, and then, of course, Lurling. Yeah. Um, that was, well, Kieran Dyer again. He The ball came, it was cleared, and... Yeah something I think that all young footballers are told never to do is is play passes in field when you're in your defensive half and yes. he, for some reason he's just nodded the ball in field but not to anybody in particular yeah. it's been cut out and then just sort of passed over to Lurling and he's, he's volleyed it quite nicely actually yes. to be fair again Shea Given didn't really have a chance, did no. he?
2: No, I mean, if a Newcastle player had scored that, I think you'd be saying, what a great goal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But as it
1: was, it was what, an awful goal. Because, because <laughs> yeah. it, the damage was largely self-inflicted. Yes, definitely. And at, at that point, when you watch the, the match highlights back, mm-hmm. Sir Bobby is going crazy on mm-hmm. the touchline. You know, c- clearly, mainly about being, being brought back to, to a, a drawing position, but probably Kieran Dyer's error. Will have infuriated him, and yes. I'm pretty sure Kieran Dyer Kieran Dyer would have been a player that infuriated him on more than one occasion. But uh, that particular time um, would probably really have got to him. And yeah, it, it's never nice to see <laughs> when Bobby was upset because he, you know, we all loved him so much, and you yes. <laughs> um, could tell when he was uh, when he was furious. He, he was really furious. But, yeah. Um, did you think at that point at two two that might have been? Are the chances I was, over? Uh, not
2: that they were over, but I was, I was concerned, I was very concerned. Because whilst you've got to be straight down the middle as a commentator, you are commentating for British television, so you know that the overwhelming majority of people are wanting Newcastle to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, there, was, there, was, there were a few worry lines on our foreheads in the commentary <laughs> box at, yeah. at that point. But then, the X factor with Newcastle is that they will always do what you least expect. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the beauty of the club, really. I know it's your frustration, and it'll probably make you age prematurely. But for the rest of us, for the neutrals, that's one of the reasons why Newcastle are, are always worth watching, even in, in bad times, because yeah. the unexpected is always just around the corner.
1: Absolutely. Um, and I think at that point, after both of Feyenoord's goals, the, the players, you could see there was fist pumping, and they were, they were really up for it as well. And I, I just thought to myself, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a difficult task. You'd have now. said it was odds against at that stage. You would <laughs> yeah. have said
2: it was odds yeah. against in that atmosphere. Oh too. yeah,
1: absolutely. Um But yes, the um the moment of drama came at the at the death, didn't it? Yeah. So um again it was um a long ball upfield from yeah. one of the centre backs, I think. Yes. Um Shearer. Shearer. Yeah, very good header. Yeah. Typical Alan Shearer header. It wasn't like the first, for Bellamy's first, it, it wasn't a deft flick, it was uh, a real muscle. So, sort of, you know, he knocked his defender out of the way yes. and um, headed the ball to Dyer. And um, as you alluded to earlier, <laughs> Kieran Dyer got into the box and got himself into a position where you would think, well, surely he's going to score from there. But unselfishly but... <laughs> decided to tee up Bellamy <laughs> by the goalkeeper. <laughs> Yes, it was a good assist in them, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah talking about Dyer's end product, I mean, that was just a classic example of it. But it was a great save by the keeper, to be fair. You know, if it a lot of other times, I would imagine a goalkeeper, with a shot hit with that power, it would have turned it around the post. Mm-hmm. But just, for luckily for us on that occasion, it's fallen mm-hmm. to a, a place, it's still at an extremely tight angle for Bellamy to finish, but... You know, for him coming in there at, that back, at the back post yes. and just to be able to smash it in mm. and off the, off the goalkeeper. Yes. Yes. It was, I mean, that, that must be a moment in your commentating history that will live long in the, in the memory. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it does.
2: Um, I mean, it's the first thing that most Newcastle fans mention to me. There are one or two that will pick out. Uh, I was the radio commentator on, on both the 4-3 games. Oh, this, yeah. I so yeah. mention them. <laughs> against Liverpool. I was yeah. the radio commentator the night that Keegan's Newcastle got promoted the first time at Grimsby. Oh yeah. So you know, I recall those as great Newcastle occasions, but the ultimate would be would be this one, just yeah. for the sheer
0: <laughs> wonder and
2: drama of it. And the fact that it was it was Newcastle under Robson, I think made it extra special because you knew that this opportunity wasn't gonna come his way too many more
1: times. Yeah. I mean you when I listened to the commentary back your your the passion in your voice is just fantastic. It it's almost like you were not a fan, but you know, you were really willing yeah. to fall in and you can't be a fan. No, but no. At the same
2: time, you can sort of reflect the views of the majority of your watchers and, yeah. and viewers. So yeah, my voice cracked. And that's that's not happened many times in my career. I'm blessed with a reasonably strong voice, but it cracked on that occasion with the with the emotion of yeah. that particular moment, yeah, that was pinnacle, yeah.
1: The way the way the game panned out, it must have you know uh, presumably that had an effect on on your commentary and the the, the atmosphere in the stadium. Did well, you're riding the
2: wave of whatever the emotion is inside the stadium, and the wave was pretty high mm-hmm. at that stage. So, I think I said to you uh, or hinted earlier though, those are the easiest moments because you just ride the wave. Yeah, yeah. You're not having to create anything; you just go where it takes you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, full time came mm. and that was it. Newcastle had done it. They'd got those three wins, yeah. um, which nobody gave them a hope, um, and they were the first. They became the first team to um, to go through having lost having their, lost their three. opening three group yep. games. And at that at that time in the Champions League, it was when you had the you had the two group stage sort mm. of set up, didn't you? Yes. So um, we'd managed to progress to that second group stage, which.
2: Eventually got the better of us, but yeah. um, yeah. But when the um, I mean, when the goal went in, it was clear that was the winner because the final weren't coming back from that. No, that was a blow right to the point of their chin. But I, rem- I remember saying, Has there ever been a more dramatic night in the history of the champions? Yes, that's League? Right, yeah. and probably, I mean, fans of various clubs will put up their own moments, but
1: that it's right up there. Oh, that's it's right up be, there. So to see
2: history made like that is mm-hmm. probably special,
1: yeah. Yeah, to get if there was one game I wish I could have been, out would been mm. that one, <laughs> but um. At that time, I wasn't really I wasn't going to games and certainly not away games, so mm. the chance of me going to a European away game was just non-existent. Yeah. <laughs> but if there was one game I could have been at, I wish I'd been at that one. Yeah. Um is. so then after the after the game, Sir Bobby Robson, I just picked out this short quote from him. He, I'm sure he obviously would have said a lot more than this, but I just thought this summed it up perfectly. Mm. It was a fluctuating and historical evening. Did he really say something as measured and <laughs> calm as that? Well, this is what I was gonna say to you because Sir Bobby, we, we all know as Newcastle fans, he comes out with some daft quotes mm. and I just thought that sums it up perfectly, really, fluctuating and historical. And I thought, well, for, for Sir Bobby to have said that, it, it just sums it up perfectly, really. Yeah, I mean, maybe
2: that's, that's how history will record it and maybe that's what he he's going to be um, thought of as having said publicly. But he, he was... Um, he was properly excited when I got downstairs and yeah. saw him and so was John Carver. I mean yeah. the two of them. If you connected them to the national grid, they'd have lit up the most of the Netherlands that night. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, they were both properly buzzing. And it was lovely to see. Yeah. And I, I remember, you know, he had his arm around Jermaine Genus at one stage who, as we all know, fifty years his junior to the day. That's right, yeah. And it sort of spanned the ages and um, I just looked at him and he looked like a man very happy to be in the most natural of environments and someone who was belatedly, at that stage with Newcastle, living living the dream that he'd always wanted to yeah, yeah. live and hadn't quite managed mm. to perhaps during his prime years. But we all know that the story in his terms had a, a horribly sad ending. But at that point, things were going really well. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and it was just lovely to see, and I mean this in the kindest possible sense, um, a gentle, slightly elderly man, properly fulfilled.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, I'm sure he, he must have been over the moon with the result. Um, he was. I mean, I'm trying. I'm trying
2: to be polite to his <laughs> his uh, enthusiastic reaction. But he was back. He was bouncing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He was bouncing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful to hear. Um, did you have a chance to speak with any of the? It was a bit that Van like the. Feyenoord's manager did he was you speak, yes did you speak with him afterwards or? yeah not not at any length no. he
2: wasn't really in the mood to no, I can imagine. talk too yeah. much I mean he's a fairly taciturn invid- individual at the best of times mm. so no he wasn't he wasn't offering a lot as I remember it he was very sporting with Sir Bobby because mm. there was such love in the Netherlands for, for Bobby yeah, after for his, his the achievements there, spent there yeah. I, it, it was in that sense it was slightly strange in that whilst Feyenoord were clearly chins on the floor completely gutted at what had befallen them um, <clears throat> no one begrudged Bobby Robson that moment of, yeah, of delight. Yeah,
1: that's good. Um, the this game then, <laughs> throughout hmm. your career, hmm. is it is it up in how where does it sort of rank in your memories of commentating? Because <sighs> I know you'll you'll obviously have commentated on an awful lot of games and some very high profile games. Yeah, I've I've commentated on better comebacks because <laughs> mm-hmm. th- this was a
2: sort of establishing a bridgehead, having it swept away and then re-establishing it, yeah. wasn't it? And. I was lucky enough to do both the Middlesbrough games in the UEFA Cup in the run to the final where they found themselves in a position in the quarter final and the fi- and the uh, semifinal where they needed to score four yes and it, it was the almost carbon copy and I did both of those games and they they were extraordinary and I've done other matches in World Cups and things with improbable outcomes um, but this is up there for raw emotion yeah
1: um,
2: if you look at it just in the cold light of the result, it's not that big a surprise, but if you look at it in the context of where they were after three games, nowhere, no goals even, Um, and then you contrast that with where they ended up on that November night in Rotterdam, then yeah, it's up there. So it was certainly slot into my top 10 of all time matches. Actually putting games in order in that top 10 difficult i'd probably have england argentina at the world cup in 98 Mm. as my number one just because a whole country was hanging on that and there were so many elements to it Mm -hmm. both good and bad but but no this newcastle final is one of my most fondly remembered nights
1: great well john thank Thank you very much for your time Uh, (laughs) really appreciate you coming on the true faith podcast and um Good luck with your uh, future in uh, America. Thank you. Yes, (laughs) yes, the land of Ray Hudson. Which will make it all the more interesting. (laughs) I'm sure it will. (laughs) But thank you very much for your time, and um, we'll speak to you soon, listeners. Thanks very much.